Here's a patient who walks in. You take one look at these teeth, and you know you've got an aesthetic challenge. We've got some tetracycline staining going on here. I worked on his sister, who had the same tetracycline staining, and on her, we tried two sets of veneers before we finally ended up doing crowns on her. And so her brother, uh, they're both dental technicians. He was aware of that, and so he said, let's go uh, right to crowns. So that's where we're starting with him as crowns, because we learned on the sister that it was just too difficult to block out those dark stump shades. So we're going to take a shade here just to see if C4 is anywhere close, and it usually isn't. And so, you know, you can try a couple different things and see if there's anything that even gives a kind of resemblance. And uh, really all you need to tell the technician is that uh, it's tetracycline stain and then pick a final shade uh, that you want to use. I just insist usually on um, having some sort of photograph with it. So we put the PFG gel uh, into the vestibule because it makes sure that the patient can't feel what comes next, which is this 30-gauge needle and some septicane that we're going to be injecting above these teeth. And because we're prepping uh, all these teeth, that's the 856025 burr from the reverse prep kit that's being used to simultaneously break the contact between 8 and 9 and also just kind of start the uh, interproximal margination as well. And since we're prepping all these anterior teeth, we're taking that 856025 and just going right in between all of those teeth. And there's the razor burr. Look what it can do. It can cut through... Uh, a ceramic material and then it can cut through uh, a metal coping underneath it the only thing it can't cut very well is bruxer but otherwise it can do everything else on its own love that razor carbide and here we go with the 801021 burr again it, this is called the reverse preparation technique because i get the opportunity to prep the gingival margin at the very beginning not at the very end like i was taught in dental school which i think is the most difficult way to prepare a crown. I get an opportunity to speak at dental schools once or twice a year and I tell them as much. And uh, it's always funny to see what the instructors are doing when I tell them they're teaching it backwards. I love a depth cut based system. You know, when you practice in a dental laboratory like I do, you just realize that you have to do everything right for the technicians or uh, they will make life for you difficult. So we're using a two millimeter depth cutter here to make sure that we've got enough room so our technicians can uh, cut back and layer that incisal edge if they choose to do it and they usually do when technicians are working on each other and there's the one millimeter depth cut at the uh, junction of the incisal third and the middle third and so now once we've got all these depth cuts in place the gingival uh, we've got the one at the incisal edge and we've got our axial one we're going to take that 856025 burr again and really just go in and remove two structure um, as quickly as we can here because unlike uh, in, in a prep sequence that doesn't have depth cuts, we know exactly where we're going here. We've got a little roadmap. We have a nav unit, if you will, and that is those depth cuts. It's telling us exactly where we need to go. And as you know as well as I do, as we get that enamel off the tooth and get down into that dentin, we can see the darker shades starting to come through. And that's because the tetracycline really doesn't do anything to the enamel itself. The tetracycline gets incorporated into the dentin. And so when we take that enamel off, we lose that somewhat translucent layer over it and it becomes even more apparent. So I'm taking our biotemps now and trying to put them into place. And as you can see, I was having to push it. They weren't falling into place passively. So now I'm using this suck down uh, stent that was made over the biotemps prep model and looking to see where I have contact uh, between the stent and the tooth. And it looks like it's the lingual. 
of uh, tooth number 11 here. And uh, you'll just have to trust me that we did get a passive fit when we put it down next time. And so now it's time for the reline. So we put the material in using a bisacryl material to reline this. You want to be really careful with multiple units with a bisacryl. Uh, to make sure that you don't lock that on. So we pump it up and down and we pump it up and down to make sure we don't lock it on. And uh, now we're at the point where on this very first appointment, we are not going to take an impression because I've blown too many cases that way. Uh, I just can't seem to get it done. So this first appointment is a quicker one where we anesthetize and we do our rough prepping. You'll notice we didn't put any cords in there. And then we fit the biotemps and we cement these into place. The thing that used to happen to me was I would get recession of some of the papilla between the first appointment and the second appointment. And uh, all of a sudden, I would try in the final restorative crowns at the end. And the crowns would look great, but we'd have some black triangles. So that's how I learned my lesson uh, about not taking impressions on the first appointment. Well, the patient had a tooth that was uh, uh, kind of on the edge uh, before we prepped it and prepping it, put it over the edge. So he went out and had uh, endo done. And uh, we're just filling the access hole here. And um, it's something, you know, that would have been an, probably an easy one for me to do. But I was actually out at uh, a lecture and uh, he was in pain. So he went and saw a friend of ours who's an endodontist and that's being done. And then we're going to build it up again and just go through and smooth off that buildup um, and hopefully get it close to the size that it was before uh, so that we do not have to do too much work on the inside of that temporary so the double zero cord uh, always goes in first in this technique. If we need to touch up anything on the preps, we will, and we did not, so we're not. And then we're going to use the 3MSB retraction paste here. I hadn't had a chance to try this yet, and I had heard some good reviews from some friends. And so you can see we're rinsing off the retraction paste here, and uh, actually got pretty good retraction. Uh, not as much as with the two cord technique. Um, but certainly the convenience is a lot easier. Of course, we're using a custom tray because I preach that all the time. And I know I get to cheat. I practice inside a laboratory, so it's really easy for me to get a custom tray. Um, and I realize that it's not as easy for, for you guys to get a custom tray, so you're excused. Just use a metal full arch tray to take an impression like that if you can. Here's my Cavo uh, Sonic Flex Scaler. Look how good that cleans up those preps. I mean, that's just amazing to me how well it... Uh, cleans up those preps and uh, we were a little worried about Emacs uh, showing uh, some of that prep shade and so basically we decided to go ahead with Bruxer and he works in the Bruxer department so he was excited about it so we've actually tried the Bruxer restorations into his mouth you saw the try in there for a second he grabbed the mirror and he liked him I hope so he made him himself that's the fun part about working on text and because of the salivary contamination from the uh, phospholipids and saliva We've got a contaminated surface on the inside uh, of those crowns, so we're using the IvoClean, which is a liquid zirconium oxide, and it's going to get those salivary phosphates off the inside of those crowns and down the drain into the Newport Beach sewage system. So we're using some water and some air to rinse it out. You know, you really don't even need to use that IvoClean with this Ceramer. Uh, even though the Ceramer does have some phosphates in it, it's not enough to really create a bond between the cement uh, and the crown itself, and really the way this ceramer cement bonds to Bruxer is because of its extreme hydrophilicity. In fact, the, the liquid in the cement is actually water. And because of the fact that it forms these nanocrystals, and so we triturate it for 10 seconds, and I spin the tip around, and we're going to clip it into the dispenser here, give it a couple of clicks, and then start to load it. 
into the crowns, and then we're going to go ahead and seat these restorations uh, into the patient's mouth. And, of course, we always want to start with teeth number uh, eight and nine. The ceremony's got a very nice flow to it as we put it into place. It doesn't take too much pushing. I just use these pine wood sticks to kind of hold it in place and make sure that nothing moves while the cement is setting. And then we go on to put on the rest uh, of those crowns. And through that clever little morph you can see right there, um, we've got a pretty good look there. We've got some A2 Bruxer in place and we're not showing any of the stump shade uh, through and so that's good obviously his lower teeth now don't match but we took him from an edge-to-edge bite to a, a typical class one bite in the anterior with about a millimeter of overbite and over jet and again this was not somebody who needed to be talked into crowns because he saw what happened when we tried to do it on his sister and so I'm usually somebody who really likes Emacs crowns in the anterior, but for a case like this where we've got some intense, uh, ugly prep shades underneath, I'm going to go with the Bruxer because I know it's going to block it out. And when we do multiple units, like eight in a row like this, they're all going to match and look pretty good and be high strength at the same time.